CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called the Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. People told me once I had a very expressive back, which I was, <laughs> <laughs> but I was really honored. I mean, I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Barrett Scher. Hello. And Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And today we have two very special guests. It is Tobin Bell and Lynn Shea, who are in The Call, which came out October 2nd. Uh, so it's been out for a little bit, a little bit. Um, uh, for those, for a little background, these guys are horror legends. They, um, uh, Tobin Bell. Uh, played John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw, in the Saw movies. And Lynn Shea played Elise Rainier in the Insidious movies. They have over 300 credits between them. <laughs> and <Holy> somehow, <laughs> somehow, this is the first movie you guys have done together. How is that possible? Totally. I got to tell you, I, Tobin, I was so um, happy. It was actually Gene Arugula, my manager, that um, suggested Tobin. We had gotten the script um, from a client of hers, um, Randy Goodwin, and um, she sent me the script, and I looked at it, and we thought Timothy Woodward would be a great director for it because we had just worked with him on the Final Wish, mm-hmm. and um, and we hadn't, we were look, you know, trying to figure out who would be a wonderful partner, basically for the Edith's character, and. Um, and who was a terrific actor. And Gina said, what about Tobin? And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> we, you know, we've, we've known, I mean, I've known Tobin's work. And also, we're both children of James Wan and Lee Winnell. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're really brother and sister, so besides husband and wife. <laughs> Which, um, so anyway, and we, I was really happy in particular. I also was one of the producers on the film, which is kind of a new um, role for me oh, in general. Oh, nice. Um, because then I get to have a bigger mouth than usual. <laughs> so uh, actually not than usual. Actually, I just get to have my bigger mouth. But anyway, um, we were all really, really happy to hear Tobin like the story. And um, I can say now, Tobin, I was so happy to meet you. And, you know, I mean, we didn't chit-chat very much at all when we met. We pretty much did the scenes and stayed together as characters which i thought was also very touching and um served served the the film well so um i was thrilled that you said yes and that it was like getting married (laughs) when you said yes (laughs) i i i um what drew me to the call was was uh Without giving too much away, there, I, you know, you do films for different reasons, and uh, in the case of the call, there, there was obviously Lynn was was in it, and I had never met her, uh, and you know, I remember when I did the first saw, Danny Glover was in it, and I was mm-hmm. like, I've never worked with Danny, yet, and I really want to work with him. So you, that's there are compelling reasons to 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 work. Uh, on different projects, and in this case, uh, Lynn was in it, but there was this incredibly challenging scene in the middle of it that uh, is very tension-filled and dramatic. Mm. Uh, mm. But it was the challenge was to keep uh, keep that tension and drama uh, when the scene was as long. It was like this long monologue mm-hmm. that, that that Edward has with these young people who have come uh, he's hosting in his house we'll put it that way uh, um, and uh, so for me that was a, a marvelous uh, attractive nature you know uh, uh, something to overcome and to because I like to do lines the way they're written and uh to find a way to do that is not always uh, 
easy and and to make them uh, real. Uh, so, yeah, I was on board right away when I saw that scene. I thought I have enough time to learn this. I think I had maybe a week before to start, and uh, I have enough time to learn it. And uh, if we can get the physical logic of the scene down, uh, which Timothy Woodward was very good at, uh, and the, the DP uh, was great at it too. Yeah. And, and we, um, we were able to accomplish it uh, in like a day and a half it took us to shoot this one oh, scene. God. But it was long. It was, it was, it was long and, and central to the story of, of, of the film. Yeah, I uh this is probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie because it's yeah. one of those that uh you know you 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 sort of lose time during it. You kind of look over and you're like, "Oh, wow, it's been 20 minutes. How is that possible?" Mm. You know. Yeah, um, generally generally you don't get scenes that long in in films. They they frequently I think the longest scene I've ever had was in Saw 6, which mm. was eight and a half minutes long. And oh wow! That, that well, it's it. the core of the story, also, and I mean, and for, as for an actor, I think that's always very appealing to feel you're you're centralized, you're, you're you're delivering the central core of the film, basically, and and you did it wonderfully, Tobin, and you know, it, it, time has no factor when you're fascinated, in my opinion. So mm -hmm. uh, it was really beautifully orchestrated by Timothy and really incredibly well executed. And it really sets up the whole movie. I mean, the the, the, the you know the uh, the climax of the film, etc. So mm. Um, mm. Well, no, it's, it's perfect type. because you have to, with your character, hold them there for a certain amount of time. You know, not to say that they couldn't physically overpower you or something like that, but but you hold their attention so beautifully. Mm. Uh, and I tangled, even I tackled money in front of them. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and even when you go over to to have a beverage, and I, I love that shot there where it's just on you, but we we hear the dialogue. Uh, it's it's it really is a highlight of the movie for sure. It was fun to do, fun to do. Great to work with um, energetic and uh, dedicated young actors who were really in many ways sharpening their uh, experience and their, their chops as actors. Uh, and uh, that's always fun to do. Uh, you, f you feel like you're kind of um, embracing new people in the industry, you know, and uh, yeah, that's great. It was, uh, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of hard not to think of your two popular horror movie franchises when watching this movie, uh, because, uh, you Tobin do the whole let's play a game. And, uh, and you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put you through some challenges and Lynn, you seem to be kind of in the further a bit, uh, in this movie. Well, uh, I, I've never played evil before. And this, yeah. I mean, where, but the, for, for what I loved about Edith is it wasn't, she was just evil. She is the movie for me is about bullying. It's about treating mm -hmm. people with disrespect and hatred that pr provokes them in a way to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's got that message to it, even though, you know, it's, it's still a, an entertainment horror film, but, that um, that Edith and I think that's why the relationship between me and Edward is so important because you see we have the, we're really two nice people who you know ha live in a beautiful home and she runs a daycare and she's a loving person and um, is is wronged by these pieces of shit who are you know who are who are really bad they're bad kids I mean they're whatever you want to, whatever resonates about how they were brought up, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're, you know, they're harassing this woman to a point of her killing herself. Yeah. And I think that happens in our world today. Mm -hmm. And I think, and the fact that Edith, it, it manifests itself in a classic horror um, way by her becoming this evil thing with black, you know, stuff coming out of her mouth and, <laughs> and, you know, spewing. But even within that, there's a certain, I felt a certain empathy that even I still feel when I, when I watch her and you're kind of 
these kids get what they, you know, I mean, nobody maybe deserves to have that. Ha what happens to them happen, but they do deserve to confront what happened to them. And I think that's what makes the film really like powerful. Yeah, I think you do a terrific job in this, by the way. They had this, uh, you know, you don't know quite what to expect from your character because it's all throughout the movie, before you're introduced, you are you are this this uh, evil person, might even be a witch and everything. But, uh, you know, you, there's a there's a definite definite empathy with your character right off the start. But, man, I got to tell you, the some of the things that you pull off in here, the some of the facial expressions you pull off in this movie are are just terrifying, just unbelievably well done. I don't know how you get into that place. Well, <laughs> it's a little bit, maybe too much information. <laughs> but, um, but also we had a wonderful, Chang Tseng, who did the makeup, was very helpful in terms of helping create, uh, you know, the, the quote monster that Edith becomes. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it, she's she, she's in a lot of pain. I mean, I, I'm, you know, again, not just, it's just not being about making, um, making a face or a mask even of some sort. Um, but the, the emotional pain that she's been put through translates into the horror that she bestows on these kids and forcing them to confront, you know, horrible things in their own life of how they, you know, and to finally maybe accept that they've been who they are, you know, what has happened to them. So, um, so anyway, I, I, I'm appreciative. It's, it was definitely fun. When I first saw the film, I was kind of, I wasn't upset, but I was surprised because I always saw it as you meeting her first as the preschool um, teacher. And mm -hmm. so you see, but that, but I thought ultimately what Timothy chose to do was more powerful where, because you hear the kids talking about how horrible she is and you meet her. And that first monologue that I have is kind of, is also somewhat sympathetic. It's, you know, you do, it almost felt like um, there's a children's book called, um, it's the one about the bunny where the mother says, if you get into a sailboat, I'll get into a sailboat and find you. If you do something, this and this, I'm going to come and find you anyway. There's a certain love that she has that no matter what her child does, she follows the child. And in a weird way, that monologue resonated with that to me. You know, you throw, you throw a dead animal through my window and I will take it and I will bury it. You know, that there's that whatever, whatever evil they bestow on her, she finds a way to, um, to, to, to comfort it or comfort herself. We're, we're, you know, the, the industry, the industry that we're in, uh, this is, it's, it's fascinating because I probably, uh, I maybe met Lynn, uh, 10 or 15 minutes before we actually, were working together. Oh wow! And uh, uh, there are some actors who you can uh, uh, who are accessible and you can connect with, and uh, are there and want to make a connection. And the camera sees everything, mm -hmm. so even the smallest connection rings true. And uh, so whenever you embark on a on a journey like we did on the call and you barely know the actor that you're working with and yet you're able to uh, have a certain intimacy uh, mm. that 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 registers and uh, yeah one of the things that that I always like is when the actor that I'm working with is hungry mm -hmm. uh, for that and realizes the value of that. And uh, I felt it right away. I remember we talked for a while Lynn, about with Timothy about uh, the kinds of furniture in the room. And he, right. we wanted a mm. couch. You were talking about a couch and he was talking about a chair, an mm. individual chair. And because in the script, they were sitting together on a couch and right. the, scene, the scene was somewhat intimate in a way and and so you here you here you have this wonderful we have to create magic that seems real and you've just met somebody 10 minutes before and you have this intimate scene so um if there's any young actors out there 
listening. That's always a wonderful part of our business that we have to create magic in in very short periods of time and uh, and make connections that mean something and ring true uh, that 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 are believable uh, right. to the camera to the camera and to the to the to ultimately to the viewer uh, and that's uh, that's a, an, a wonderful a wonderful challenge and when it happens it's a blessing well obviously <laughs> you know, also oh, i'm sorry no you go ahead well i was just gonna say uh, I, I didn't really want to be on a couch because i feel edith is already separating mm. from from edward and mm. she's already separating from the, the the comfort in her own life i didn't i didn't feel wow. she so I really wanted, and the fact that you come over to me at that at the end of it, I thought was also said a lot about the relationship and about mm. about the the need even after you've separated yourself from comfort, the need for it and how you know and 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 the comfort you still can receive even when you're on in the in the place that Edith was in, which was getting ready to kill herself. Yeah. So, um, there was another beautiful scene that we did that was not in the film that I really loved um, too, Tobin. When I come down the stairs and uh, when um, when I'm coming down the stairs and I look at the book, there's a book I look at, and mm. you come into the room and I can't remember exactly what went down. Um, where I I, t I say I don't want the pills. You oh right that was the scene where I say you're my fresh air. Remember you mm. said you need to get some fresh air. There was one ex one scene that was not in there that I I actually really loved and missed. Um, and then I, he says he he goes to give me my medication and I say I don't need it tonight. I don't want it. And so you know personally for the the development of the character those that's always hard for an actor too. I'm sure Tobin you would agree when there's something yes. cut out that you know was what fed you through, you know, to the next portion of your, of your yes. story. Yes. And um, when, I, and it was, and anyway, I, it was the only, the one, the one scene of us talking at the chair, which well, I, did I, you I, ever, did you ever see that scene um, cut? Uh, did, did you ever see that scene in any pre uh, cut of the film as a producer? I, I think I, yes, I think I did actually. Did yes. Hmm. Did I like, I liked it. I, mm, but you know, well, again, there's a whole thing about editing, <laughs> which I mean, they got it. You got this many minutes to tell your story. I mean, bottom line, that's yeah, the yeah. truth. And mm. if something is expressed in a in a similar way, you know, I mean, what was in this scene that is in there definitely capsulizes our relationship and um, what's mm. happening. But mm. this other was more the journey toward it. You know, the bottom line for me, the movie's about Edith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm, so yeah. Edith and Tobin and our and our relationship yeah. forget that it's not really and that's it's it's about the kids and their journey as well so yeah. and anything that sets that up is um you know is enough I guess is the way you really have to accept it what I've what I've found with with uh horror uh films and producers and studios that produce them is uh that and what I find most fascinating is that you can layer a horror film. You can accomplish as much with a horror film as you can with any other genre. Mm -hmm. It just has to be in the writing and obviously in the performances and the way it's shot. But, but if it's in the writing, uh, a horror film can satisfy you on multiple levels, which is one of the nice things about the call. I, I think, uh, you don't quite know what's happening or what's going to happen, but yet there is this human element to their relationship that, uh, yeah, uh, I appreciate. Um, you said you you may not be able to put this into words, but uh, how exactly do actors who have only met fifteen minutes prior? get into that kind of intimate setting and uh, you know, how do they, how, how do you, how do you manufacture, you know, manufacture that kind of intimacy? Talent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's a, that's assumed. I mean, especially oh, considering you guys have so many credits, but I'm, I was being snotty. That wasn't what I meant. <laughs> no, you did. You're, you're fine. You're totally good. But I, I, For me, I mean, just to, and, uh, 
I think I think you you know you pretend. I mean, you you find that place in yourself. You're a storyteller. There's all these elements that that begin to fit together. And I mean, that's really sort of the actor's magic. I, I, without saying the word talent necessarily, but it's building, it's building your tower, you know, where you, and you have to be able to invest emotionally in the story you're telling. And you literally, you pretend, you know, you mm-hmm. pretend you're in love with this person. Um, and you find that place in yourself. Um, I mean, it's very cathartic, I think, both as an actor and as a human being, you know, to be able to, to, to source those places in yourself where you tell the truth. So mm-hmm. it's fine a way to tell mm-hmm. the truth in public um, mm-hmm. uh, and pretend you're, you are that person. I mean, that's part of the skill is what I think more than talent. It's a skill. It depends on what you hunger for personally too. I mean, I worked with actors that, that they're, they're kind of sometimes unreachable. I, I, I'm like, where are you? Are you in there? Because they're so busy with a, a mental concept of what they, of, of the character and acting. They're, they're um, and I'm making little quote marks with my fingers. They're <laughs> acting. And, and, but they don't, because they don't hunger to connect as, as people necessarily. Obviously, in some part of them that they, they do. There's a certain amount of relaxation involved. There's a certain amount of training involved. I mean, I can recall, you know, you could work with an actor's, here's an, an actor's job in my mind. You could be working with a 300-pound a gorilla and, 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 and have to um, love that gorilla, uh, have to create this, this adoration for this. Well, you can always find something about mm. somebody or something that you love, whether it's the way the hair grows on their arm or the, you, you know, you have to find what it is you admire, uh, love, uh, honor, respect, anything that, that, can, that can make me feel comfortably um, adoring of mm-hmm of whatever, whomever, whatever it is that I need, that my job tells me, this is what you need to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So it depends on what your training is, depends on what your technique is. It depends on what you hunger for and Mm -hmm. very much who you're working with. You have to, you, you have to be able to connect with that person. And a lot of it happens through the eyes. Sometimes it happens in a touch sometimes in in a smell you know in in a in in a little moment Mm -hmm. in absence of touch you know a lot can be conveyed um that's not necessarily obvious uh it's it's subtle but it's huge it jumps out in the camera and you see it you know yeah that's beautiful camera knows (laughs) when camera knows when it's it's amazing that's like one of the most beautiful ways to describe this that i've that i've heard do you think uh the 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 ability to manufacture that chemistry between the two of you i was looking a little bit at your your bios it seems like you're very educated specifically in acting you you see so many people that are diverging their interests into directing or or editing or one thing or another you guys seem both like you have always focused your careers on the acting process. And is that something that you would recommend younger people doing or just diving in headlong or, or how you did it? There's a, there's a million ways to do it. Mm. You know, there are some, some people, some, some people will come from Iowa to Los Angeles and get a job right away and have a wonderful career in television or whatever it is. Other people work for 25 years and mm. study and, and, and take it so very seriously. And different actors uh, uh, come, from, come from such a wide variety of, of backgrounds. And it depends on, on what they admire, what they, they aspire to, what kind of actors they want to be like. Mm. And, uh, in, my, in my opinion, study. Look, mm-hmm. I have three greatest teachers that have probably ever taught acting, which is uh, Strasburg, Lee Strasberg, Stella <laughs> Adler, and Uta Hagen. There's oh, a wow. great 
called Respect for Actors that I recommend every young actor read, whether oh, you, wow. what you end up having as a technique or no technique. It's that I just recommend that you, it gives you a handle on really how to, how to break down a scene. I mean, Stella Adler was all about, you know, social comment and breaking down the scene. And I mean, learning how to dissect a script and to make notes. I mean, there's so many things that can assist you in your final destination. Jeffrey Reddick, thank you very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of which, our producer, I thought I'd put a little plug in for him. But, <laughs> That's awesome. Seriously, I, um, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you can. There's a lot of sort of wise guys that go, yeah, it's easy. I, you know, so you learn the lines. All right, change them a little bit. Who cares? You know, it's. I mean, I've always approached it from um, being a, a, as good of a storyteller as I can become. Mm -hmm. And um, to learn to tell your story visually and connectively with your other actors, there there are tools. And depending on how much you want to do and how how rich you want to make your, you know, to me, it's a serious life choice. Oh, yeah. And it's about telling the truth in public. And mm -hmm. you're allowed, I feel we're the most luxurious profession very few people are allowed to tell the truth, certainly in real life. You don't mm -hmm. tell people. You lie all the time to people you love, to people you don't love, to your animal. You know, you, you, people are uh, they're afraid to tell the truth because there's repercussions. Yeah. And in in the in the profession that, that I'm that we are in, I feel it's the one place you can really tell your deepest, scariest truth in public and be rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um. You guys have uh, already uh, just given us a clinic on on acting. If I wanted Absolutely. to go act right now, I would go. I, I would, yeah, yeah. I would, go read the book. I would go, go read, read these book. books. Go read the book first. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, go uh, read that exactly. Uh, you know, I, Lynn's right. Training. Mm -hmm. uh, just because it's it, it's it's it can be done other ways. Uh, what you want, and Lynn used the word uh, profession a number of times, and I love that word when it's attached to being an actor because acting is a profession, and mm. uh, uh, it's to be honored. Mm. Uh, and uh, so all those three people uh, uh, that she mentioned, uh, but, you know, I, it, it, are amazing teachers and uh, have brought so much to to the theater um, I a couple of things come to my mind and and I that's why when I'm working with people I try to leave them to to approach their their craft the way they want to do it because there's so many different ways to approach something I mean, I can recall Lee Strasberg saying one day, People think we, we have to do everything from the inside out. And that's mm. not true because he was working with a guy who wanted to play Cyrano de Bergerac. Mm. And, and he's talking to the guy and he had just done a scene at the actor studio in New York. And, and, and he said, I want you to do it again. And, and the actor, the, the, the act, he said, this guy is big in his movements you know, his and 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 he was and 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 the, the actor uh, was sitting on a bench, and he he said, "Well, I wanted to get this." He was talking to a, a girl next to him. He said, "I wanted to get his sincerity. I wanted his his warmth toward her and everything." And Lee said, "He's big, he's powerful, and big. Try it again." And 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 so he said, it, "Sometimes it works from the inside out. Sometimes you can get it from the outside in." You know that. Just to add to that, there was a, um, a, a also at the actor studio with Strasberg. There was um, he was talking. It was to Harvey Keitel actually, mm -hmm. and he had him. He was doing a monologue about something, and he said, "If you a, a way." He also was talking about the the physical manifestations of the character, and he kind of came up with the idea that what was this character doing? Oh, he was driving a car, and he said, "Well, okay, I want you to do the monologue again. Just sit in a chair." Pretend you're, pretend you're driving a car and you're using the brake and you're using the accelerator and you're using the blinker and do the monologue while you're driving. 
Mm-hmm. So he started having, you know, first, they were first big gestures, you know, big thing. He says, do it big. Like you're, you're describing about the Serenal thing and, and, you know, put your foot and put your foot on the accelerator, put your foot on the brake, you know, and, and it was kind of, it was a, I forget what the monologue was, but then he had him do it again and he had him keep paring it down until finally there were physical gestures that came alive, which were based on driving the car with these big gestures, but pretty soon it was just like muscular, like hmm. snapping your foot, squeezing your hands on the wheel. Your shoulder was pulling down as you were using the signal. And the character de- developed this incredible physicalization that nobody would have known was started out with driving a car. <laughs> and the tension and the, and the focus of what this character was saying. And it was a, a fantastic exercise. And it's really something to, you know, people, actors think it's just your voice or, you know, and and expression, using your voice with expression. It's not. It's your whole being. It's your whole body. It's your back. People told me once I had a very expressive back, which I was was really honored. I mean, I thought, oh, shit. (laughs) Around backwards for a while and see how people, if I'm expressing myself properly. That's insane. I've also been a dancer, and I understand using my body expressively. And actors miss that. They miss using, they miss the whole of their being. And, mm. and, and it, it, so there's a lot of ways to amplify the story you're telling. And it's not just your voice. It's not just your emotions. It's your mm. entire being. Mm-hmm. And use yourself, use your body, use your hands, make it big to start and then pare it down like Harvey Keitel did. Yeah. And, <laughs> and pretty soon you're driving that car and nobody knows it. Yeah. <laughs> um Back- Acting is doing. Yeah. It's not about, it's not, people think it's about how many lines you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's it's not. It's about where you show up in the story, how you participate in the story, whether you're part of the solution or not, and what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why living in New York is such a wonderful thing to do. Uh, I lived there for 39 years, and uh, you get to watch people unload trucks, get to watch people, you know, and people who have been working all night and are falling asleep in the subway. Hmm. You know, you watch people all the time and, and your body is your instrument as an actor. So Mm -hmm. in line with what Lynn is saying, that's your instrument. You don't have a trumpet or a paintbrush or a, you know, it's, it's your, it's in your body. Yeah. So when you watch that what you said about being an observer is also extremely important. Um, It's you learn so much by really watching people. You know, that's true. We miss that. I lived in New York for years as well. And um, we miss that here because we're isolated. Well, now we're really isolated, but we're still isolated (laughs) in our cars. And, Mm, you know, you're you're bumping up against the world every day, every Mm. minute of the day when you're out, you know, you're out in the world. I also really miss that. And all my training was in New York. Well, I worked with Stella Adler out here as well. But but there was something of great value being in that city, of course. And mm-hmm. But be an observer. Watch people. See how they respond. They don't respond like you. They respond like themselves. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you learn a lot about expression of story through through your own observation i mean everybody's interpretation will be different and that's what's mm-hmm. exciting about also mm-hmm. acting you know that mm-hmm. you, yeah. the um the uh, just to bring it back to the call for a second uh the the film that that lynn and i uh finished a little while back uh one of the things that in, in line with what we're talking about in acting is doing the most, the thing that was most difficult to work out in that scene with the young people uh, in, in the house was the physical logic mm. of the scene. And uh, in terms of acting, being, doing, using your body, making something seem natural, like it's happening for the first time. Like, in fact, it was really happening for the 17th time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> should, it's got to feel like it's happening for the first time. Is, for example, in that scene when he goes over to the piano and picks up some envelopes. I won't say what they are. Mm-hmm. And 
and distributes them to the um, to the kids uh, and how they open the envelopes. Mm. It's 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 not just what you do; it's how you do it, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what Tim Woodward was helpful with that he helped me work out the physical logic, making it seem like this is his house. He knows how to move around his house and where, when he's going to move and where the things are and where's the drink that you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Chris. Mm. Uh, Mm. uh, So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating process and, uh, uh, and, and very, very rewarding and uh, interesting being an actor is a very interesting thing. And uh, I, I want to add one thing because Lynn and I have, we've been talking about Stella Adler and Uta Hagen and Lee Strasberg and getting into the meat of the material and, and physical logic and use of our bodies. Spencer Tracy said when he was asked about what he would counsel actors to do, he said, um, show up on time, know your lines, and don't bump into the furniture. Right. That's the best advice ever. <laughs> and Spencer Tracy was a fine actor. Mm-hmm. He, so, uh, that was his, his approach. I, was, I don't believe it for a minute, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> All right. Okay. But, uh, you know, I've had, I greatly admired um, um, Robert Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as an as, night as, of the as, hunter. Yeah, and and Robert Mitchum, I'm I'm lying on my back in, in, in New York doing an episode of something, and Mitchum had jumped in. I forget what it was called. Had jumped in and done a few episodes because the lead in the thing got sick, hmm. and and, uh, and Mitchum was there. And I'm lying on the on a table, having just been shot, and trying not to move. And, every, and he walked past me, and he's talking to somebody, and he goes, "Oh Jesus, <laughs> Lee Strasberg, what a fucking charlatan!" <laughs> <laughs> and here's this guy that I admired my whole life, mm-hmm. and and he didn't want any part of. Of getting inside himself and or talking about <laughs> acting or how to do it. And so that's when I say there's lots of ways to do it. For me, I say do what Lynn said. Train. Mm-hmm. Train. Train, train, and train some more. Yeah. You know, and get some experience and realize that that actually acting on a set is gonna be different than in in a class. Because in a class you're usually taught to follow your impulses, you know, be willing to follow your impulses and tell the truth as, 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 as Lynn says, whereas on a set, you have to do that, but you have all these other masters. You're, you're doing what the director wants you to do. The sound guy has asked you not to tap on the table while you talk. (laughs) The the lighting guy has come over and said, please don't stand in Lynn's light. You know, when Mm. you cross over there, you're blocking her, you know, so you're, you're, you're thinking about all of, and then you're trying to remember your lines. <laughs> then you're trying to make them remember all the preparation you did on the character. And so there's so many different things to be thinking about, so many different approaches. And, you know, very often, I don't think that a lot of acting teachers teach you about the technical aspects of working on a set. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. You're correct. I, I agree with you 100%. You know, it's even when I'm working on a, uh, I'm, you, I wonder if you feel this way as well, but I, it, when you're working on something at home and you you have it just the way you think it should go, and then you get to set, and suddenly you didn't know there was a bed in the in the room. You didn't right. know there were going to be pictures on the wall of your parents. You know, you didn't know that you were going to be wearing this kind of wardrobe or those kind of shoes. And suddenly you have to totally be malleable and use the things that are in the, your present state. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. you're not sitting on your couch anymore. If I could, uh, we could go do a little rapid fire through some of your career here real quick. Um uh, Lynn, Lynn, I'll start with you. The uh, the 
one of your early movies, and a lot of people may not know that your brother founded New Line Cinema. Correct. Um, and uh, the one, the movie that is considered uh, the movie that built New Line Cinema is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, you are in that movie. Uh, did you know that that was going to be a phenomenon when you were making it? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Wes, Wes, who we all miss, I still miss this guy. One of in person. But long story short, my brother, Bob Shea, who, yes, he started the original New Line Cinema, which has never been the same since he hasn't been there. But yeah, blue story altogether. But he um, he said to Wes, put my sister in your movie. And Bob was a very typical big brother. He would always make fun of me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> introduced me to people and said, this is my sister, Linda. She wants to be an actress. <laughs> 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 and I was sort of faded into the background. And then behind my back, you know, he said to Wes, put my sister in your movie. And yeah. he said to, to, also to uh, Jack Shoulder in The Hidden, put my sister in your movie. They actually fired another actress which oh. Jack and I oh, wow. <laughs> I get rid of her my sisters played that part I just, um, I just rewatched The Hidden the other day I had completely great. forgotten you were what in that it's such movie. a great movie yeah but long story short um, that no one really knew that Nightmare on Elm Street was going to be what it was you know um, mm-hmm. and it, it was exciting you know it was a, and I still think it's the best of all of them the first one is still the best absolutely movie. yeah and, um and um, we were delighted. Wes had shopped the movie around for a long time in L.A. and nobody wanted it. And he brought it to Bob. And it was really there. They had had one other feature they had done called Stunts, I think, with Fiona mm-hmm. Lewis and Robert Forrester, actually. Yeah. Wow. And um, and they had only they had only produced, I think it was just that movie. And maybe there was one other after, but I think it was just that one. But Nightmare on Elm Street put everybody on the map. Yeah. Um, I worked uh, as a movie theater projectionist in the 90s and throughout the next decade after that and everything. And the first time I remember seeing you was Kingpin and uh, the (laughs) steal the show. You steal the show, Lynn. You steal (laughs) all of those fairly movies. It is it is so awesome that you have a scene that is so memorable uh, over, you know, uh, people like Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray and all these people that are in this movie. But uh, how was that experience, Kingpin and just a Fairly Brothers in, in, in general? That has such a long story. I'll try and make it really brief. I tried okay. to get an audition for it. I saw they were doing this other movie. I had already done um, that one scene in um, uh, Dumb and Dumber, mm-hmm. which... My brother said, put my sister in your movie. <laughs> so I had that scene. I met Pete. I couldn't get a, I could not get a, they kept saying, no, no, no. We love your work, but you're not right for this. She was described as the angriest, ugliest woman God ever let loose on the planet. They said, we love you. We can't, you're not right for this. I created that whole character complete with wardrobe. That Pete, that clown suit that Pete called it. My my hair, my my lack of makeup and nose hairs with eyelashes coming out of my nose. I did that whole thing sitting on my bedroom floor and could not get an audition. And literally, there was five days to starting shooting. I I knew the date they were starting. I called Steve Stabler, who was one of the producers. He closed. He said, we're, "We love you, but." And I said, "I put together this whole thing." And he said, oh, okay. So literally I I walked into the room dressed as Mrs. Dumars in that outfit with the hair and the thing and with the (laughs) voice and the cigarette. (laughs) And and I I didn't even know. I I had read those lines so many times to myself. I don't know. Anyway, I read and Pete said, thank you. You're so scary. I'm afraid to talk to you. The next day I got the job. Oh, my God. And he said, everything you brought to He says, you don't change a thing. So that was, um, it changed my life. Wow. You really jarred something loose, Tiger. I just, good God. And Pete wanted me to cut that line. I said, I swear to God, I can make it work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Tobin, uh, the, uh, uh, similarly, uh, first, uh, first time I saw you was in the firm and in the, in the line of fire. Uh, but one of my favorite movies of yours is The Quick and the Dead. Uh, what is like? What is it like working with Sam Raimi? Uh, Sam's a well, as you, you know what he's he's he has he comes at things from his own uh, unique point of view, and uh, he's um, 
you know, he was so busy uh, working out the special effects, how things were going to going to work that um, it, it, the, the quick and the dead is not, you know, Russell Crowe is in it. Uh, yeah, it there's so many big names, you know, uh, Gene Hackman. And mm-hmm. it, it, he, he, he spent so much time on special effects. I didn't really get to know what kind, whether he was an actor's director, mm. whether he's an effects director. I just didn't. And he, he liked what I was doing. And, 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 and actors, one thing actors like is when they don't say anything to you. Which that just <laughs> <laughs> means they like what you're doing. So I got to have a gunfight in it with Sharon Stone, and, and yeah, and 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 to deal with the you know those old Colt forty fives and 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 um, you know wonderful guns from back in that era, and to you know to be around uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, Leo was like nineteen. Yeah, you know? yeah. he was a kid, and and. Uh, so it, it was wonderful. We shot it in Arizona and, uh, and, uh, you know, I grew up on Westerns, so mm-hmm. I have a huge respect and I think I've done four in my career. And every time I get a chance to do a Western, that's when I get back on a horse. Nice. Yeah. You managed to make a ton of movies with Gene Hackman, even if you maybe not, a had maybe not had a scene with him, but it's amazing. I, I, I did four movies with Gene. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Tobin, I'm really curious. Malice is a movie that I seem to be like one of the biggest fans of. Do you remember anything about? I'm just curious if there's anything working on that movie, uh, working with Bill Pullman or yeah, Bill or Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> or Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did Malice uh, in the middle on a break uh, from the firm, and we were shooting. <laughs> oh wow down in Memphis and I had already started shooting that, but I had a break before we had to go to the Cayman Islands. And hmm. uh, I came back here and I worked on Malice uh, in a, on a, on a set in, uh, at the Sony studios, I think it was. Uh, uh, and uh, I, re- what I remember distinctly was how, how um, carefully Bill, the director wanted Bill and I to uh, do the fight. There's a there's a, a knockdown drag out fight mm-hmm. in the basement of the school, and uh, he, uh, the director wanted Bill and I to do the fight. He didn't want he didn't want stunt doubles. He he wanted us to do it. So we practiced and we rehearsed, and we practiced and rehearsed, and we had you know fighting on camera is a, a numbers game. You go one two three, and it's all about the camera angle. But Bill being a fabulous guy and a wonderful actor and but he's played a lot of he hasn't played a lot of action films so he hadn't done a lot of fighting on mm. the camera and he uh, as soon as we began to shoot the scene he hit me right in the face and <laughs> oh wow almost broke he, what, what, he what happened what? he hit me in the face oh he hit you in the face oh he mm. I could tell I, I, when the camera rolled you could tell he really hit you yeah. <laughs> when you, when you when you rehearse something, it's choreography. You, it's one, two. Here's number three, four. Uh, but when it's the, timing, yeah. And when the camera rolled, in this case, I could see that that the that because he had never done any on-screen fighting before, his energy just went shot, shot through the roof. <laughs> and he forgot to count, and <laughs> he hit me in the face. Almost broke my nose. And, oh my god. Uh, I had to go back to Memphis and I, my nose was all swollen and (laughs) back to Memphis to do the firm. And I was already established without a broken nose. Right. So I was concerned about it, but the swelling went down and, but I went to Bill and I said, right after the take, I said, Bill, we can't, that can't happen. (laughs) If if, if you hit me again, again, the the director didn't, intervene no he knew what happened he saw it happen uh but you know i said if you hit we're gonna get somebody to double me Uh, and and he said okay 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 i got it i got it and he did that was a testament oh wow pro he is you know, just uh, may I, oh, I'm sorry. May I, I was just going to interject. There's um in the first Insidious, Pat, where Patrick Wilson chokes me. 
Oh. Uh, um, you know, we did rehearse that. And Patrick is a consummate professional. I mean, 100% in every way. But something also happens with adrenaline. And mm-hmm. you really got to be, you really, really, really have to find a way to take real control of yourself because it, your heart starts pounding and all that stuff starts coursing through your body. And I remember as professional as it all was, when he was choking me, I had like um, thumbprints of, of um, bruise all around my throat. Oh, wow. Good God. Several days after. And I mean, yeah. you know, he didn't strangle me because he had his hands below my, you know, they do it sort of below your, your jugular basically. Mm-hmm. But the pressure was, and the energy was so intense that, you know, you, you still get hurt a little bit. I also almost got my jaw broken by an actor who didn't understand timing where it's oh, one, wow. one, two, three, slap. One, two, three, hit. One, mm-hmm. And he went, one, two, crack me. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Because oh, no. I was supposed to move, you know, on three, you it's up to the other, to the person getting hit usually sells the, the gag, that they call it. You know, you throw your head back. The other person really doesn't do anything. They don't even touch you. And from camera angle, it looks like you're getting hit. And, um, and so... Anyway, so Tobin, I my hat's off to you. I'm glad your your nose is okay. <laughs> but you, you you have a great story. I got hit by Bill Pullman. I mean, that seems like that seems like a fun story. I adore, I adore Bill, and it's, and he he was so marvelous from from yeah. that point on. He he yeah. he completely he got it from 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 there on. You know, and that scene, by the way, is obviously it's still in in Malice and. Uh, mm-hmm. See it looks great. <laughs> yeah, if you've got a realistic take, you got to use it. No, right? no, no kidding. That's the other thing. It's like, oh my god, I had that happen too in that little movie Room for Rent, where um, the other actor was supposed to slap me, and again he socked me on pur- not on purpose, but he hit me in the face. Oh, and geez. Jackson was like, oh. You know, it wasn't a big like, ah, you know, which is an actress you think it's going to be. And, of course, that's the table we use. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. guys, I could talk to you guys for at least another five hours today. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you have, like, tons more stories to tell. And and uh, we unfortunately don't have uh, any more time. But Next, next movie. Yeah. I just want to plug, I want to say uh, October 30th, uh, the call is on all VOD and all digital formats. It's oh. totally there for everybody to see. It's been in theaters up to this point, but it's going to be everywhere starting October 30th. So okay. watch it. Awesome. Don't and miss Logan Bell, who is spectacular in it and <laughs> carries a scene that nobody else could have carried. And mm. um, I'm proud to be in it. And I'm proud to be in it with you, Tobin. And me too, Lynn and, and, um, making your acquaintance as they used to say in the old days has been uh, has been great so big hug to you i hope we do more together too at some yeah point. absolutely anytime you yeah. guys want to both come on you're more than welcome oh uh, my god uh yeah uh we'd like to uh thank tobin bell and lynn shea for giving their time that with this awesome guys talking to you um that's going to do it for this interview it's chris atkins and barrett Shear and jonathan watkins we'll see you next time thanks for listening Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.